Amazing Grace Kona welcomes you to today's lesson from Pastor Izzy Manzo. Our prayer is that today's lesson will spiritually feed and uplift you. Now, here's Pastor Izzy. Let's look at Mark chapter 10 this morning where we pick up. It says, then after these things, Jesus continues on. Rising up, he went out from there, it says, and he began to, to go to the region of Judea. And beyond the Jordan there, it says, the crowds were gathering around him again. According to his custom, he once again, well, you know what he's going to do. He began to teach them once more. So some of the Pharisees came up to him and testing Jesus, they said, they began to question him whether it was lawful for a man to divorce his wife. Now, watch what the teacher does. He's going to teach. But I like Jesus' teaching style. Pay attention. This is not a what I call a genuine question. This is, it says they were doing what? Testing him. Like Jesus couldn't pass their test. Like he wouldn't know what the scripture has spoken beforehand. But they're testing him. So Jesus answers them with another with a question to their question. He says to them, what did Moses command you? And they said, well, Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and send her away. And Jesus said to them, because of the hardness of your heart, it says, he wrote you this commandment. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. And for this cause, a man shall leave his father and mother, two shall become one flesh. Consequently, he said, they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man put asunder or separate. You guys have heard that in, in uh, the wedding vows, right? This is from the beginning, Jesus said, the design. That God will make a man and wife to be joined, no longer two, but only one. But is their hearts right? They have soft hearts towards God, these religious leaders? No. He said, because of the hardness of your heart. Moses permitted this, but, but does that make it the true right thing in the sight of God? Just because it's Moses permitted it? Well, my Catholic upbringing, I was permitted to do certain things as long as I went to confession on Saturday and got my prayers of penance. And did, you know, it's funny how so many people want to know what is permissible. What, what, can I get away with this and still, you know, I, I, I'll just tell you the truth. Since I started in children's ministry, I found out kids even want to know where's the line. How much can I get away with? But they don't really develop it into an art form until the college age. By college and career study age, when I was teaching those ones, they are like, and how much can I get away with and still God will let me in? I want to ride the, yeah, I want to walk the fence. And, and can I dip my foot on the other side? But I'll keep one foot on the fence. I won't go all the way off the fence. But, you know, how much dipping can I do? They want to know what's permissible. Not what's, what was God's perfect plan? And by the way, I always find when you venture into this arena where you're saying, how much can I get away with and still be okay with God? You're never full of joy. Because you never get to walk in 
that plan? What did God intend? Yes, God may permit divorce because of the heart, or Moses might have permitted it for the hardness of heart, but does that make the people's lives blessed? God God intended for a man and woman, once they're joined as husband and wife, to stay husband and wife. And the effect of that, well, I, I know my mom, she got married and divorced and married and divorced and then married and divorced and married and divorced, married and divorced. And I'm not exaggerating either, by the way. Five times I had five different, one real dad and four stepdads. Just to let you know how good that is for a child is the worst thing. Divorce is hard on children. It's hard on the parents. It's hard on everyone involved. It is. And even though Moses may have permitted it because of the hardness of men's heart, what does Jesus do? Jesus goes back to who? To God's original design. See, I notice when people come and they're testing Jesus, they're always trying to see what they can get away with instead of, can you tell me, what would God really want me to do? What's his heart? When the people come with that heart, I think God just smiles. I know as a teacher for me, it is a pleasant, wonderful thing when someone comes going, Pastor, just tell me, I don't care how much it hurts, just tell me the truth. What does God want? And maybe they're struggling in their marriage and they're, and they're, and they're hurting. And you go, you know, God wants you to, to walk godly. You know, his plan was never to have you be separate. He let two be joined together. Consequently, Jesus said, what God has joined together, let no man put us under. Let no one separate that. That's a, well, Paul writes that marriage is a great mystery in Ephesians chapter 5. A mystery what represents Christ and his church. When people live out their marriages as husband and wife in love, and, and, the, and the man lays down his wife, life for his wife like Paul tells us to. By the way, that's not really kind of optional thing. It says husbands just to love your wives like Christ loved the church. He laid down his life for the church. He gave his life. He presents her, he says, with no spot, no wrinkle, nor any such thing, that she is holy and blameless. That's what we're supposed to do as men to our wives. Gals, how do you feel when your husband presents you to to his friends? Hey, this is my perfect wife here. This is is my bride. She She is perfect for me. Is that how most of the American guys present their brides? No. I can't stand some of the sitcoms today because they tear down the, the, the men will sit in a circle in the show and, and be drinking their brewskis and, and talking stink about their wives that are standing right in the room next to, can hear everything being, and you see the, even on the television show, they, you see the, the expression of the woman as her face just drops with, with disappointment, just pain. My husband's in there talking all the bad stuff about me. Does Jesus want us to do that as men with our brides? No. We're not so we're supposed to present our wives. This is my wife. She's perfect. And and by the way, gals, would you like that if the guys did that for you? That's that's our by the way, that's our assignment, guys. You wanna 
Do you really want to bless your wives? Do that. Present her with no spot, no wrinkle, nor any such thing. The same way that Jesus will present the church. When we are presented as the bride of Christ. Now, how much does God love us? He says, I'm going to make you into my bride. But is he going to present us as his bride with all of our flaws? Here's my flawed church. They're screwed up. Man, they got problems. See, that one over there, he's especially flawed. Is that how we'll be presented on that day? No. We'll be presented this white as snow, though our sin was as what? Scarlet. He will take us and say, look at my perfect bride. Holy. Blameless. He took all the blame. She did nothing wrong because I already took all of her wrong and paid for it myself. Now, if men would really men up, and I say that in a godly sense, be a godly man and man up and say, when guys start to pick or, or others pick on, on your wife, you're supposed to be their shield. Step in, just like Jesus is our shield. And he looks after us. You're not supposed to join in and, oh, yeah, she burnt the toast. and Oh, you should have seen what she did to the eggs yesterday. And, and, and I, that's not what we're to do. God's joined us together. You know, it says no one's ever hated his own flesh and hurt your own flesh. But see, when the two are joined together, the two become one flesh. So when you stab and hurt your, your wife, you're hurting yourself. The two, by God's design, have become one. Well, Jesus goes on then, and these guys, he leaves them. He goes into the house, and his disciples come in after him. And it says here in verse 10, they began questioning Jesus again about this. So Jesus answered them. He said, whoever divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery against her. And if she herself divorces her husband and marries another man, she's committing adultery. He, he's trying to explain to him, you're missing the, the whole picture of the Spirit. In the Spirit, the two are made one. As soon as you go join your oneness to someone else, you're committing adultery against the one you were joined to. This is not what you're supposed to do. This was not God's intention. Now, in Matthew's gospel in chapter 5, he told them in 32, he says, there, there's one exception. For the cause, it says, of unchastity. If she, should, if she should go and join herself to another person, she commits adultery. She sleeps with someone else. For that cause, it says that that, it, that person that, the sin was perpetrated against. They're not held. The, the, the vow has been broken, not by them, by the partner. The one who stayed faithful, God doesn't punish. The one who was unfaithful, he says they don't get to remarry because they commit adultery. The one the adultery was committed against, they're free, and they are allowed to remarry without it being classified in God's book as adultery. There's no punishment against the one who was innocent in the you know in the situation and, and i look at that and say god you're really you're really fair i mean you're really kind to the ones that stay steadfast to you you know but but the disciples 
after they hear Jesus teach on this, in Matthew's gospel, they say, you know, it'd be better that you didn't get married then. If that's the case, because, like, I mean, jeepers, you make, you, you can't even get divorced. See, they had, they had this mindset, like, if this doesn't work, then just, I'll just bail out. That's not, the, that's not what God's intent for marriage was. I remember when early on in my marriage with my wife and her and her mom were talking about something. The subject came up about, you know, if you're ever in a fight with your husband, my mother-in-law, she's a God-fearing woman. She's, her advice to my wife was, you're not coming home. You know, you ever get in a fight with your husband, don't think you can just run back here. You, you got to work it out, she told her. And it was really, it was in a gentle, God, godly way. She told her, it's like, this is not the option for marriage. When you get married, you're married. You don't run to us with your problem. You work it out with your husband. Now, I overheard her from another room, and I thought, I like my mother-in-law. You know? She is cool. She's, she's with the Lord now, but that woman, she just, she just, Put it real straightforward, you know, just cut and dry. Look, this is not what it's about. You are married now. You don't get to cry about this and this and then, you know, think I'm just like a fallback, keeping it as like a safe zone. I always retreat to my, my folks' house, you know, I'll go run home. She said, no, you're going to go to bed with him. Now, some of you, you struggle with that idea because you're thinking, but I already found a couch I, I retreat to, and or I go to the garage, or so, there, there's 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 there is something what our our society doesn't say work through this. Do you guys know that there's a time limit on how long you're allowed to be mad? First of all, did you know you're allowed to be angry in the Bible? In the Book of James, it says, "Be angry," and there's a qualification. And what? Sin not, yes. You're allowed to get mad, but you're not allowed to use that anger as an excuse to sin, okay? And there's a time limit on how long you can be angry. It says, and do not let, don't give the devil opportunity. Do not let the sun go, what? Down on your anger. So every night I like to watch the sunset and hold my wife's hand and give her a kiss. And if there's anything from that day that you could be angry about, guess what? That's like my timer. Now, I appreciate being here in Hawaii because it seems like sunset time, everybody runs to the edge of the water and they just stand there and they take pictures and they watch the sun go down. But when I see the sun go down, I think, Lord, there's the timer. Anything that's bothered me, anything, anything could be angry, I have to let it go. And I want to encourage you to adopt this as a, as a, a literal life pattern for your life, the spiritual thing to help you grow. Because if you go to bed with anger, you say, well, I'm not going to forgive him. I'm going to hang on. I'm going to remember that. And, oh, that really makes me mad. And, and you go to bed. What's well, going to happen? You know, lay there. and you. If you keep doing this, by the way, in Italian, we, we say this causes agita. We call it uh, heartburn, I think you say in English. Yeah? Right here. Get, uh, acid reflux. You get... You get this pain right under the ribs, right here where they come together. And, and that's all because you're hanging on to anger. The timer has already gone off. Bing! You're supposed to let it go. 
And when it when that sun drops, for here we get to see it go into the ocean, goes down, clunk, let it go. You were not made to hold on to anger for more than one day. More than that, and it's it's gonna cause your blood pressure to go up, it's gonna cause all these problems to happen in your life. Let it go. And if you can receive it, this is a really important thing for us as believers that we that we live this. It helps us be more pleasant. Some people are like, I don't know why I don't have any friends. Everyone's oh, they're old. They're too busy for me. And I'm thinking, I'm a little busy myself. Man, you're 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 harsh. And you're always so uptight. And I'm mad about everything. Blah, 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 blah. No, it, that kind of thing doesn't make you attractive. You got to let it go because if you hang on to it, it, it's a seed that gets planted in your heart and the, that anger it takes root and it, and it leads to bitterness. And once bitterness takes root, boy, it becomes a nasty thing. It just produces, it produces something that, I, even though it's not physical, I, you know, like a physical, tangible thing, people can perceive it. They're like, oh, that person's bitter. And and it, it, it makes them where people pull away. Don't want to be around that person. They're so bitter. Then they get more bitter because no one wants to be their friend. Well, okay, let's go to the root of the problem. What have you been hanging on to? Let it go. Jesus always goes to the root. They They had hard hearts. They didn't want to let it go. They wanted to figure out, well, Moses gave us the right to divorce or whatever we want. She didn't cook my, my breakfast right. I'm letting her go. And did you know, by the way, in the Jewish culture, they could actually divorce over something as petty as that. I didn't like the way she prepared my meal. I gave her a certificate of divorce. That's how hard their hearts were. But Jesus said, God did not make it so. God made it when you're joined together as husband and wife. The two are now one flesh. Leave it that way. I want to do his plan. It's much better. Now he goes on next to this. After he goes into the house, it says, they began bringing him little children, in verse 13, so that, that Jesus would just touch them. And the disciples rebuked the people. You got to stop bringing these kids around. When Jesus saw this, Jesus was indignant. He's frosted. He's mad at them. Now, by the way, there's a difference between anger of righteousness and anger in sin. Jesus another time got mad in the Bible when they were in the temple and they were the money changers were, you know, taking advantage of people's desire to worship God. They come in and go to give their money to as you know, they're gonna give they have it on their heart, I want to give this to the work of the Lord. And they go to the temple and they they go to offer their money. And, you know, here they have the, the their Roman coins. They go to, no, no, you can't give to God Roman money. That's unclean. That's that's not godly. Here, we need to exchange that money for the temple shekel. Here, trade it in over here. We'll get you the right currency that you can give to God. God will be pleased then. What did Jesus think of those money changers? He overturned their tables. He made a whips and chased them out. He was mad, by the way. He said, this place is my father's house, and my father's house is supposed to be a house of prayer. You've made it a den of thieves. Get out. 
He got angry. Now, did he sin? No. That's what's called righteous indignation, righteous anger. When something is being done wrong and you say, enough. We need to stop this. When, when I hear of injustices done to little ones, when I hear of little kids being abused, I want to go in and bust the chops on those guys that are doing it. I mean, I, I just think this is wrong. Jesus was indignant. He was angry. Why? Think about this. He's angry because they're, they, they're stopping little kids from coming to him. The, the, the rabbi is too busy. He, can't, he doesn't take time for little ones. Is that Jesus? If you read the Bible, you know that is not him. So Jesus said to them, permit the children to come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. And truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it at all. Amazing Grace Kona thanks you for listening to today's lesson. If your travels take you to Kailua Kona on the Big Island of Hawaii, come visit us. We meet Sunday mornings, 9 a.m., on the beach at the north end of the old Kona Airport. For more information about Amazing Grace Kona, go to our website, amazinggracekona.com. Amazing Grace Kona is the original Calvary Chapel Kona. Mm-hmm.